Hi everyone and welcome to this bonus episode of the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. Today I'm talking about teaching in the time of COVID-19. So first up, obviously this is not a regular podcast episode about teaching and self-care and well-being, but as we know, this is not a regular time. It's an extraordinary time in human history and things are changing daily, even hourly. And I've been holding off on recording this because I've been waiting for or hoping for um, definitive announcements to be made about school closures, but I've just decided today that I, it's time to send this out into the world sooner rather than later. And um, I trust that you will understand that things will update, perhaps even by the time you listen to this this afternoon or tomorrow morning. So I'm uh, recording this not with my regular microphone, it's just raw, imperfect, unedited, unprocessed, but I want it to get to your earbuds as soon as possible. Um, and so I'm recording uh, on the 23rd of March 2020 and I'm in Queensland in Australia. Um, and at the moment the COVID-19 pandemic has devastated or is in the process of devastating many countries around the world. Um, here in Australia, we now have more than 1,200 cases um, and we're being directed to practice social distancing very strictly. Various states and territories are closing their borders domestically um, and, you know, we already closed our borders internationally. And there's, you know, a petition of doctors raising concerns that we're not doing enough um, and yet schools remain open. Last night, our Prime Minister held a press conference where he announced sweeping new social distancing measures by closing pubs and clubs and gyms and churches and other public gathering places, but he emphasised that schools will remain open. Of course, Victoria, the ACT and New South Wales have sort of split from this in various ways, announcing school closures this week um, or student-free days. Um, and at the moment, New South Wales is saying that schools are open, but they're urging parents to keep their kids home. Um, here in Queensland, the Queensland Teachers Union this morning held an emergency meeting and released a news flash a couple of hours ago uh, demanding that Queensland state schools be closed to students from Wednesday this week, the 23rd. Um, whether that happens remains to be seen. Uh, and of course, like I said, I'm really aware that this may all change by tonight even uh, but at the time of recording it, you know, around lunchtime on Monday, that's the situation as it stands. Um, I'm going to try not to use the word unprecedented too many times here because surely at this point we know that the word unprecedented has been used an unprecedented number of times. But basically what we are starting to see as well as this pandemic is, um, at least in terms of education, we're starting to see a breakdown in, um, you know, the leadership and governance between the federal and the states and the unions in Australia. So aside from all the health implications and economic inflammation implications of the pandemic, um, I think the fallout of this breakdown in, you know, communication at the very least will have some really deep ramifications going forwards. Um, I've been getting messages on social media from all over the country for a couple of weeks now from teachers who are really worried about this and how it's playing out in their schools and how it's being talked about in the media um, or in particular by you know members of the public in the media and uh, politicians because I actually have seen quite a lot in the media that was encouraging um, about teachers but still um, you know, I've been hearing from you for weeks now um, and I'll talk a little bit in a minute about a post I shared on social media on Friday that, you know, 
went a little bit viral. But after the Prime Minister's announcement last night, um, on Sunday night, about schools staying open, all night and again this morning, I have been seeing huge amounts of anger and anguish in the teacher Facebook groups and teacher networks that I'm involved in. Um, And I just want to pause and really acknowledge that. Um, There were many, many threads from many, many teachers talking about their fear and their grief and talking about strikes and calling in sick en masse and telling older teachers to retire immediately to save themselves, um, telling pre-service teachers to get out now, find a new career because look how we've been treated. Um, Many teachers talking of crying all night and all morning and then pulling themselves together and fronting up to school this morning to try and put on a brave face and be calm for the kids. (sighs) My colleagues, I see you. I know that many of you are really hurting and you're really afraid right now. I see you and I hear you and I want to acknowledge that I witness you in this. And I hold you in my heart. And I'm so damn proud of you. And I also want to pause and take a moment to acknowledge our early childhood and um, daycare and school support staff. Because, you know, teacher aides, admin and school office teams, cleaners, groundskeepers, the many other people who keep schools and early learning centres running as smoothly as possible on usually not enough resources... Our colleagues in these roles have been almost entirely overlooked in this public conversation, and that's not okay. Uh, This particular podcast isn't intentionally leaving them out. I do want to acknowledge the very valuable and important work they do. I just simply can't cover all the particulars that apply to those roles here. So for the sake of trying to keep this episode a reasonable length, um, I will be focusing just on you know, teachers and school leadership um, educators. Um, And like I said, I have had a post go a little bit viral over the weekend. Um, At the time of sending you this, it's had, you know, 233 shares and 99 comments. Um, And I actually posted it on my personal Facebook profile uh, and made it a public post because my privacy settings are really tight and I knew that some friends would want to share it what I'd written but it wouldn't be able to do so unless I changed it to public and I did not expect the number of uh, shares and comments that I got. Um, I will put a link in the description so you can read the post if you want. Um, It was really just my musings as of Friday night, um, Friday the 20th of March, about the response that I'd seen at that point in time from politicians and the general public to schools staying open and to teachers raising really valid concerns about that. Um, You know, the health and safety of teachers and students, the problems with hygiene, you know, of schools not having soap and hand sanitizer to actually be able to practice hygiene, um, and the social distancing issues of, you know, just you can't keep kids off each other, they touch their face all the time. Um, High school teachers, excuse me, um, high school teachers, in contact with hundreds of students and and colleagues a day, you know, in schools of 2,000 people. So, you know, I wrote it after reading several news articles last week from teachers anonymously sharing how concerned they were um, about their school staying open. Um, And there was a post from Adam Voigt as well from Real Schools, which had something about Gallipoli in the title, which was really clickbaity. But 
I agreed with him on the overall point, which is that way too many, you know, teachers are, are feeling like they're being sacrificed right now. And, um, and I also had seen way too many comment sections on both my own posts and my own personal profile and in groups and pages related to teachers that were just really disheartening um, from members of the general public. Um, and I obviously spent way too much time on social media. <laughs> um, and of course, it's not all people who think that, right? But I have been especially disappointed with the comments I've seen and heard from people I know, two teachers raising concerns about schools staying open. Um, I've certainly been disappointed in the politicians' focus on the economy over health and of not saying that schools are staying open because education is important or of saying it too late because ScoMo did say that last night. Um, but, you know, I'm sure it's only because of the outrage about it. <laughs> um, the comments have most stuck in my mind and heart have been those that essentially call teachers whinging for speaking out at all and or doing that, you know, argument derailing thing about, well, what about any other profession? What about X? What about Y? Um, and those comments, those types of comments, what that does is it attempts to silence teachers who are already very silenced because you're bound by the code of conduct that says you can't criticise your employer. Um, and those comments also attempt to frame this conversation about school closures as all or nothing, either or, um, which removes all possibility of nuance, which is almost always necessary in cases of, you know, wicked problems such as this. Um, and it's unhelpful because it usually shuts down healthy discussion of the many options, which is, you know, sometimes I think what the common people commenting like that want. They want to shut down the conversation. Um, and this, you know, calling teachers whinges, it got me thinking because it's, it's also frequently a tactic used to silence women and disadvantaged people who are raising valid concerns about their treatment in some situation or other where it is in the interests of the other party to avoid acknowledging or dealing with the complaint. Um, and so the hashtag, like not, hashtag not all men and hashtag all lives matter are good examples of this. They're like derailing really valid movements trying to draw attention to an injustice by trying to draw the attention away from the original topic to include people who are not being impacted by the original issue. Um, and as we know, portraying women as hysterical is one of the most effective methods of silencing that there ever has been in all of history, and it's alive and well in the 21st century. So I, I do think that there is a lot of that related to this talking about whinging, teachers whinging um, in this situation, when actually I think teachers are raising really, really important concerns. Now, um, obviously there are also a lot of people already feeling the huge financial strain that this pandemic is going to bring to the vast majority of our population. Um, there's a lot of very real stress for pretty much everyone at the moment. And we know that in high states of stress, none of us respond very well. Um, stress floods the body with hormones that make us hyper-focused on a few things that we perceive to be the problem to the exclusion of pretty much everything else. So we get this like tunnel vision and it makes it especially hard to take the perspective of others who are in different but possibly equally difficult situations to ourselves. Different, still difficult. And, and, and it's, not a, it's not an either or, right? Because it's not a competition. Um, and some people have more experience and training in dealing with crisis situations. And so they have a higher capacity to respond calmly and to take different perspectives. And they don't reach that tunnel vision point. Um, or it's their threshold for it is really, really high. But many people also have a lot of stresses and even trauma already that is invisible to themselves and to others. 
um, which means that they are reaching their tunnel vision threshold much, much sooner right now. And, I, and so it's not ever helpful to compare and we need to focus on compassion, of course, for everyone. And we just need to be aware if we are seeing people respond in whatever way they're responding, you know, like as much as we can try not to take it personally. Um, many people in the general public, I am sure, are not necessarily intending to silence teachers at this time. They're simply at or already over that that stress stress threshold, and they're really aware that this situation is it's still only just the beginning, right? And and so they're in genuine physiological and psychological distress. Um, however, that doesn't mean we stay silent about the very real and very valid concerns. What it does mean is that we need to acknowledge that many people literally can't hear those concerns right now. And we also need to acknowledge that we may be in that state ourselves as well, being unable to hear other people's concerns if we have reached our sort of tunnel vision threshold. Um, so we just need to be aware that, that people may not be able to hear you right now. Um, and I also want to say, and I'm talking, of course, about general public, right? I'm not talking about politicians and people in charge. But I also want to say something here that might get your back up a bit. But please bear with me. In general, I do think that teachers have a tendency to be whingers. And I say that with the utmost respect for what teachers do and deep personal experience of being a whinging teacher. I get it. I have been that person. I am not judging. Um, teachers being called whingers used to really get my back up too. Um, and since leaving my classroom teaching role and spending more time in circles of people who, whose only experience of school was as students themselves and getting a bit of distance on my own career as well, my own teaching career, um, I have been able to reflect on that whinging teacher thing from the inside and also from the outside. And I just wanted to share my experience of that or my observations of that. My experience of being a whinging teacher was usually twofold. Teaching you know, number one, teaching is really stressful. Um, and like many humans, I find whinging to be a way to cope with stress. <laughs> um, whether it's a healthy or productive or resourceful way to cope with stress is a story for another day. But it does, it is a coping strategy, right? So that was one way that I was, I, I guess it was playing out for me. And number two is I was also really aware that there was and is a problem with the sheer size of the workload for teachers and that it's counterproductive to actually achieving many of the stated aims of education um, and that there was a huge disconnect in what non-teachers and you know non-school staff actually understand about how and what teachers do and I think we're definitely seeing that here in this situation but so that whinging was for, for me some attempt to try and enlighten my non-teaching networks that hey I'm working really hard here and it's not really making a difference and it might even be hurting some of our kids you know like the the curriculum overcrowding and all this like you should know about it because it impacts your kids and the future of our nation so there was there was on one hand the, the whinging as a stress relief and on the other hand you know trying to raise awareness of issues um, with people who don't have the perspective they're not in schools they don't really get it so I'm not sure whether either of those two factors apply in your case. And, and again, I'm talking about non-coronavirus related teacher whinging. I <laughs> um, want to be really clear about that. But I'm, you know, maybe they do apply for you. Maybe not. Either way, I think, you know, I'd love for you at some stage to pause and have a think about how your own experience of whinging about the job, especially to people who don't work in schools. Um, just think about what you might be trying to achieve in doing so, either consciously or subconsciously, you know, 
do that reflection with a sense of curiosity and loads of self-compassion because it's not an exercise in self-flagellation. It's just about observation and awareness. So anyway, like I said, since leaving the classroom and spending a lot of time in non-educational settings, I've started to observe that some people really already dismiss teachers as whingers. Um, and sometimes they have good reason for that because I think teachers do have a tendency to whinge. Um, it's really clear to me that teachers are usually whinging about valid concerns and in some way or other trying to be heard so that things will change, not just for the benefit of that teacher, but for all the students in our country, right? And that we have, you know, it's very clear to me we have a number of very complex challenges facing our profession before coronavirus arrived and challenges facing our students that as a profession we're tasked with responding to. And it's a losing battle if the public and the government doesn't take ownership and respond to the parts of those challenges that they are responsible for. So, you know, it's obvious to me that teachers are trying to raise awareness about that. Um, and it's very clear to me that even before this pandemic, Australia had and still has a cultural problem with respect for teachers and respect for the role that education plays in the prosperity and health and safety of a nation, you know, in, in, in happy, good times, let alone in crisis times. Um, so I strongly believe all of that needs to change and I could go into all the social and political reasons I think are, are partly the cause of how we got to this point, but now isn't the time. And that, that is, I guess, the key point that I want to raise for all of you listening today. Now is maybe not the time for some of those conversations. Right now, as a country and as a world, we are facing a crisis the likes of which hasn't been seen in most of our lifetimes. You know, as a profession, we are being asked to step up and play a role here. And from everything I've seen and from every educator I've spoken to over the last couple of weeks, we are doing that we are doing that brilliantly and, and in some cases at great personal cost um, and right now as individuals we just need to take this day by day we really need to be focusing on replenishing our personal resources as best as we can so that we can continue to show up day to day continue to to work through this continue to provide the extra care and education that we are asked to provide whether that is face to face or online or distance or whatever that looks like You've got to build up your own personal resources so that you actually are, are able to do that. Um, and all of those issues that I mentioned before, they still matter. They absolutely matter. And we are seeing them all play out in new ways in this pandemic. You know, it's interesting to think about how if teachers are already viewed as kind of whingers and then there's a pandemic and schools are staying open and there's very, very real safety considerations about hygiene and social distancing being actually possible in schools and then teachers try and raise awareness about that it's dismissed because of this whinging teacher kind of stereotype so I am not trying to shut that that conversation down or silence you at all but what I am suggesting is that right now we pick our battles and we bide our time I'm going to say that again right now we need to pick our battles and we need to bide our time raising concerns about lack of soap and hand sanitizer in your school the time is absolutely now. Raising concerns about the expertise and resources of teachers to be able to provide, you know, distance learning for students and the resources of students and families to be able to access home-based curriculum if shutdowns occur. The time is absolutely now. Raising concerns about the health and safety implications for not just staff and students, but the whole country of undermining the effectiveness of social distancing by keeping schools open. The time is most definitely now 
for those concerns, right? And I'm pleased that this morning, I'm you know encouraged um, by the signs I've seen from the Queensland Teachers Union and the New South Wales Teachers Federation on that front. You know, really taking that that seriously and taking a line for teachers. So fingers crossed that that carries on. Um, but trying to get through to the general public about the general lack of respect for teachers in our culture and how that's playing out in the current crisis, the time for that is probably not now. And I say that as someone whose post on that very topic has been shared way more times than I ever imagined. Um, and so far, there's only been a few kind of dissenting or angry comments. Um, and I'm not opposed to a healthy discussion and, and people who disagree. But um, as the post spreads, I am sort of bracing myself for more aggro comments because, well, because it's the internet, right? Um, and to be fair, I didn't write the post for the general public. I wrote it for teachers and, you know, my friends, my, my personal Facebook friends who know me and know that I muse about these types of things. Um, but I really wrote it for teachers and the overwhelming response I've had from teachers has been one of agreement and thanks. I've had, you know, not just the comments on there but the the dms that i've had from some of you saying thank you so much you know i'm not allowed to say anything because the code of conduct but thank you for saying it um you know but and that makes sense because that's what i do i i talk to teachers about being people first and teachers second so my message on that isn't really for the general public it's for you but by the very nature of that being a public post on a public social media platform, the general public are starting to see it. And, you know, some of them have let me know that they don't like it and what their reasons are for that. And some of their reasons are super valid. So one thing that I think we just cannot overlook right now is that a lot of people either already have or definitely will lose their jobs and their income from this. Um, and for the most part, that won't happen to teachers. Of course, like I said earlier, there are teachers who are on temporary contracts or casual work and those of you who that applies to are at much more financial risk and I definitely acknowledge that. However, in general, when schools eventually close and for how long they stay closed, most of you will still have a job for the foreseeable future. Education is an incredibly stable industry to be in right now and it's crucial that we recognise that and it's crucial that we recognise that if we are complaining about the valid challenges of having to go to work right now or of having to adopt to, you know, online distance delivery of curriculum, if we're complaining about that to people who already have or know they will lose their jobs, they just can't hear us. People in those situations cannot hear us full stop and it's not going to curry us any favours. They can't comprehend it because of the challenges that they are facing, the way the brain works under stress, you know, all of those reasons. And we just need to accept that. And be extremely careful in how we communicate in this regard. Or at the very least, we need to be extremely careful who we're communicating that to. And I'm talking to myself here as much as you all. Um, so, you know, I also really get it. Because right now I'm actually more in their camp than yours. I'm self-employed. I'm, I'm no longer employed by, you know, Education Queensland. Which means that I'm free to say what I want. Which is really, really, really important. But... It also means that my income is not guaranteed. So far, I haven't seen huge changes, but I do have friends in small business who've already lost 30 and 50% of their revenue and it has, this hasn't even really hit us yet, right? Um, I was supposed to be doing another crowdfunder for the podcast this month and another launch of the Resilient Teacher Group pro coaching program next month. And right now, I think both of those things will still happen in some form, but it's 
all a little bit up in the air. I can't do it the way I had planned. So I'm still figuring all that out um, and I will tell you about it you know, later. Um, but yeah, let's just remember to practice a bit of perspective taking if we can, which I know is really hard when your stress threshold is so high. But if you still have a job, just remember to remind yourself that you still have a job and a lot of people don't. Let's keep that in perspective. Yes, it's bloody frightening health-wise. Um, and I know if you are temporary or casual, you're probably already in financial stress um, and this will only exacerbate it. But the bottom line is that schools are essential services um, and you still have a better chance of keeping a job through this than many. And also let's try and remember and have compassion for the very real impacts that this will have on the adults around the country who are caring for the children who are in our classes, right? And there's going to be huge huge impacts on the kids that we teach who are living in maybe more poverty than they were before from this. So the economic concerns of this are really valid and really far-reaching and we need to pick our battles in terms of what we talk about, when we talk about it and who, you know, who we're talking to. Audience matters, message matters, timing matters and, and we need to be careful about that. I've certainly learned that lesson this week um, and although I'm not going to pull out of social media altogether it's really given me pause and I'm going to be focusing more of my communication to teachers via channels that are just for you right like this podcast and my weekly email newsletter because if you're not subscribed to get to either of those yet hit subscribe in your podcast player app right now and I'll make sure there's a link in the description of this episode to sign up and receive the advocate in your um, inbox weekly as well. I think that changing cultural attitudes towards teachers in this country is a marathon and not a sprint. And if we want to be heard in the long run, we need to be really careful about how we communicate right now. Um, in short, now is probably not the time that we're going to affect mass cultural shift in the way teachers are respected um, in, in many parts of the community. But I do think that some very, very powerful seeds are being sown right now in that regard. People in the general public are listening to teachers, even if they're not necessarily hearing us. Um, and, you know, there will also, I think, be some people who come to this understanding of, you know, the work that teachers do just simply from their own experiences of being forced to be, you know, trying to homeschool their kids. Um, I've actually already heard reports from a couple of different places that some parents <laughs> who have chosen to keep their kids home for social, social distancing um, reasons, have already emailed their child's teacher to say they have renewed insight um, into the work that they do. So, And that's just from a few days of homeschooling. So there will be some positive ramifications from this. We just need to bide our time um, and, you know, let those, those positive ramifications play out gradually. And I think it will take some time. This is uncharted territory for all of us. Individually and collectively, we have really limited energy and limited resources right now. And we need all of them to be focused on the here and the now and the things that we can actually control um, and the things that we absolutely need to be doing to get through the crisis. So, you know, separating the urgent and important from the important but not urgent doesn't need to happen right now stuff. So with that in mind, I really want to share the tips for coping with anxiety that I shared on the self-care for teachers Facebook page a couple of weeks ago um, and then I'm going to tell you a couple of next steps that I specifically can help you with 
Obviously, there's a disclaimer here. I am not a medical professional. This is not medical advice. Um, you should definitely seek support from a qualified medical professional and follow medical advice and, and all the advice from, you know, state, territory and federal health agencies regarding your specific health situation. Um, but my tips for coping with anxiety during this crisis are if you are feeling very, very anxious, practice lots and lots and lots of self-compassion. It is a really anxiety inducing time and I think anxiety is a really normal response to this so please don't shame yourself or anybody else for that matter but please don't shame yourself if you are feeling anxious be really really self-compassionate the next one is to follow the specific workplace advice for your school and from your union because it is different it is changing regularly um, so just Keep checking in with that and do follow that because I think that there's a piece of self-care in that too, you know, like we, we need to be still sticking together as a team if we can. Obviously, stay home if you're sick. Don't under any circumstances so soldier on. I hope that what this, you know, in the long run, I hope that this whole crisis will teach us all that soldiering on is not helpful. The schoolwork will wait. I promise. So if you are not well, stay home. Um, and if you have an underlying medical condition that already compromises your immune system, if you haven't yet, please do talk to your doctor about how you specifically need to you know, be preparing for this or responding to this. Um, and I, I believe if you, if you can, you can get a doctor's certificate to you know, excuse you from work in this time if you are one of the people more at risk. Um, the other thing really is about self-care strategies for anxiety so those are kind of workplace things but like self-care strategies for anxiety there's a lot of different options i recommend throwing everything you can at it um, but obviously not everything's going to work for everybody so for example meditation i love meditation it's so powerful in fact it's one of the most powerful things that you can do to help your physiology your body and your psychology your mind get out of that super stress tunnel vision state and into a, a place where you actually can think more clearly and you know not be so tunnel visioned but meditation is also a, a muscle that you have to kind of build and train and, and if you haven't been doing that until now it might not work for you right now you know it might not be helpful so just pay attention to that for yourself but it is very very powerful I recommend the insight timer app or the Calm app is another one a lot of teachers tell me they really like. So it is very powerful. The other one is exercise. It's just so good for you in general. But when you are feeling really anxious, moving your body helps move those, you know, feelings through and out. So exercise in whatever way you can. Go for a walk outside if you can, because, you know, getting into nature is also really helpful. But otherwise, check out, you know, like do some yoga from YouTube or something like that. Do something you can do at home. Um, even just like jumping up and down on the spot, skipping if you've got a skipping rope, running up and down your steps in your house if you've got them, like anything that just moves your body and gets that anxiety, you know, moving through you rather than just taking you hostage. Another thing to do is journaling. So really please getting those feelings out onto the page. Um, it just helps you be a bit more observant, be a little bit more self-compassionate because it's there on the page in front of you and there's heaps and heaps and heaps of research and science about the benefits to you know mental health of journaling um i think it's sometimes in some circles seen to be a little bit like airy fairy or whatever but actually it's there's good scientific 
evidence that it's a very powerful and, and helpful strategy. So do some journaling. Obviously, talk to a trusted friend, you know, talk to a vulnerability buddy and, and be, you know, have boundaries around that too. If somebody is perhaps, um, if talking to that person actually doesn't make you feel better or if you actually need to talk about something other than coronavirus, you know, have boundaries around that too. But talking to people that you trust who are psychologically safe is so important as well. Also, it can be useful to fact check your thoughts. Just because you thought it doesn't mean it's true, right? So it is useful, especially if you're feeling really, really anxious to just pause and say, okay, I had that thought. Is it true? Is it, you know, is it helping me move towards um, being able to take proactive action here? Is it keeping me stuck in place, in a place that's not helpful? You know, so just fact check your thoughts. And then, of course, if your anxiety isn't manageable with these self-care strategies, I really recommend that you do reach out to a professional you know beyond blue has a list of you know national helplines and things i'll put it in the, the link in the description of the show notes also lifeline you can call lifeline on 13 11 14 um, and also your relevant employee assistance line this is the time to be calling them right because this is directly related a lot of you i know your anxiety at the moment is directly related to the job in this crisis so i will put a li- link to the um list of the employee assistance programs you know australia-wide which trudy from teachers thriving put together last year so i'll pop a link to that in the description of this episode as well i also think that it's important to be mindful of how and when you consume news media it's important to be informed um, but that doesn't mean being plugged in 24 7 right so you get some updates and then you then you check out of that stream for a bit and the same and even more so with social media Um, And avoid social media altogether if it's a trigger for you because you're actually unlikely to get anything of huge value there that you can't, you know, like in terms of being informed, you're not likely to get that much from social media that you're not going to get from checking the news, you know, morning and night. Um, And I mean twice a day, not all morning and all night. Um, But so just be extremely mindful of how you consume social media. Um, And I know that I've talked a fair bit about social media in this episode and and I'm checking myself before I wreck myself at the moment as well on that because it it has just crept way back in um, in the last few days. Uh, I also highly recommend on that point the book Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport. Um, Really, really valuable and also a really good thing to do instead of checking social media, right? Read the book. Um, You can get an e-book copy on Amazon or iBooks or whatever you, whatever device you have. Um, and, you know, look out for each other, even if you're not feeling that worried about this at the moment, which I, I think is unlikely, but I know that there are some teachers who don't seem to care because some of them commented on my status the other night. Um, but even if you're not feeling super anxious about this, other people are, so please support them um, and, you know, send them this podcast episode, um, help them put these strategies into practice Um and you know just be supportive of each other because we really are all in this together um all of us on the planet really are all in this together but i think teachers in australia are are in a particular way bonded by this and we need to stick together so um i know this has been a long episode a few self-care for teachers updates just before i wrap up um season six of the podcast like i said before this whole pandemic thing i had plans to do another month-long crowdfunder 
like I did last year for season five, but I just don't think there's time for that. I truly believe podcasts can be and are a community service in times like this. And I, and I know that, uh, you know, podcasts were a lifeline for me when I was really unwell and on occasion even housebound back in my chronic fatigue days in 2008 and 2009. Um, and so I know how powerful and important podcasts can be in situations like this. And I already have some episodes recorded for season six. And so I just kind of want to get them out to you sooner rather than later. I don't want to, you know, wait a month of crowdfunding and then another month to get it all organized. I just think the message of teacher wellbeing in general is still so crucial. And also that a little bit of non-coronavirus related entertainment isn't a bad thing either. Like just a little bit of normality and just some, you know, episodes with people that, that are not at all about this because they were recorded, you know, before this happened. So what I'm going to do instead is get myself organized for season six um, as soon as I can in the next couple of weeks and just be a little bit more proactive about asking for more support from this community going forwards during season six because the conundrum still remains that podcasts are free to listen to but they're not free to make um, and so you know rather than going on to patreon and possible like I have for previous crowdfunding options I'm just going to set up a way somehow via the website that you'll be able to donate some money at a time that suits you if it suits you if you can spare it to support the production of the show. So I'll keep you posted on that and we'll see how it goes, eh? Um, the other things I want you to know about are the resources that I have that can really support you right now. So first up, um, the Fatigue Resilience Masterclass series starts this weekend. Um, the first session is Saturday the 28th of March. And fortunately, the whole thing is completely virtual, so there's no social contact required. You do not have to leave your house. Um, it's a two-hour online masterclass about fatigue resilience for teachers, and it's run by me and my husband, Stuart, who's a clinical exercise physiologist. Um, and I will put a link in the description of this episode to the Eventbrite page where you can um, get a ticket. Uh, and what we're going to be covering in this masterclass, we're going to talk about the difference between tiredness and fatigue and what that has to do with teacher burnout. Um, we're also going to talk about the new definition of resilience that everyone needs to know in 2020. And, you know, I talked about that in the workshop series in January and it's even more prescient now. Um, there's a bonus episode a few episodes back if you want to go back and listen to the kind of intro to that. Um, we're going to talk about the science behind graduated exercise programs for chronic fatigue management and why that matters even if you don't have chronic fatigue syndrome because it actually does really apply. Um, and we're going to talk about HRV, what it is and how you can use it to track fatigue syndrome, fatigue symptoms and improve over time. And we're also now going to be talking about post-viral fatigue, you know, which is especially relevant, obviously, with this coronavirus. And if many of us are going to get it, perhaps, you know, I think that's something we need to be aware of. So it's this is Masterclass 1 of a series, like I said, on fatigue resilience. The focus of this one is really on heart rate variance and exercise um, for measuring and monitoring fatigue. Um, future masterclasses, we will definitely cover, you know, nutrition, sleep, stress, compassion fatigue, these other aspects of fatigue. Um, but this one is specifically about HRV and exercise. Um, and I'll make sure, yeah, there's a link in the description of this episode for that. Um, also coming very, very soon, hopefully this week, I know I said that last week, but hopefully this week, um, the new freebies library um, and the wellbeing and resilience workshops from January um, that I think are just now more than ever relevant. Um, the The new freebies library is very nearly finished. Um, I'm just working on some tech stuff behind the scenes. So stay tuned for that. Um, I will definitely send it out to email newsletter people first um, and anyone who's already 
signed up for the old freebies library will get first access as well. Um, and the other thing is the Resilient Teacher Coaching Program will open again for another round sometime after Easter. I know it's been so valuable for the group that's going through the current round just to have the support during what is just a, an incredible time um, with a lot of changes. So stay tuned for more on that if you would like to be involved in that group program next term, whether we have terms, you know what I mean, in a month or so. And of course, I also still have the one-on-one -on -one coaching options. So if you do just want to have some one-on-one -on -one, um, support from me, that's all available to at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash coaching. Um, but just remember the tips that I shared to help you cope with your anxiety during this. I will pop that list in the description of the episode and those links as well. Remember to pick your battles and bide your time at the moment and just stay focused on keeping your own personal resources topped up so that you can continue to rise to the challenges that are being presented to you. Let's stick together. You are doing an amazing job, dear teachers, in extremely challenging circumstances. I see you. I am proud of you. As always, remember that you are a person first and a teacher second, and you are worthy of your own care. See you later.